You're listening to the season finale of season two of the Where Did You See God podcast. We've just spent the last season diving into our experience doing the family discipleship training school through Youth with a Mission. And we've finished. We've done three months of lecture. We've done two months of outreach. And we've been home for a month. And we are still processing all that God has done, all that he has taught us. And we're going to be doing so for a long time. But in this episode, my wife and I sit down and share a bit about the outreach experience. We, we share the 10 significant moments, 10 significant elements of that outreach experience and how God did powerful things. And so we're really excited for you to be able to hear that and hopefully be inspired by that. And before we get started, I also want to just encourage everyone because we are recording this in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, and it is a time that can be confusing, frightening, frustrating. I mean, you could keep on listing words. Uh, You may be feeling one or multiple of those emotions right now. And our hope is that this can be an encouragement for you in the midst of these times, Uh, that past episodes can be an encouragement to you. Because the truth is, no matter what's happening, God is still God and God is still good. It can be hard to know how that can be true in moments like these when people are getting sick and people are dying and there is a lot of fear. But part of our journey in learning to walk towards God is to say, I'm choosing to believe that God is God, that he is powerful, and that he is good, that he is loving. And even though I don't understand how that could be true here, I'm going to walk forward as though it is true and then watch how God demonstrates that truth. And so be encouraged today, no matter what you're going through, whether you're afraid of your health or you're afraid of the financial implications or you're afraid for family, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. And somehow he is going to create a way for us to work through this, not just individually, but together. So be encouraged. You're listening to episode 40 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, we just thank you that you are God and you are good. And we just thank you for the gift that you gave us of the family DTS. The gift that you're giving us now of time to just stop and process. Um, A gift of everything that you've done over the last five months and beyond. And so we just give you this time. We pray that if there's anything that you want to bring to mind, um, that you would do it. If there's anything that we should speak out, that we would speak it. Just pray the Holy Spirit would guide our words in this time, um, and all for your glory. All this we pray in His holy name, amen. So, this is our final episode, focusing in on the family DTS, and we're actually getting to this late, because our re-entry was was challenging. The last month has been filled with everything from sickness to spiritual attacks to just hard or challenging or confusing things and so there's been a lot that's been happening yes we are coming to you from um the social distancing um era (laughs) yeah um and yeah hopefully uh amidst all the craziness going on and maybe some of the extra free time you have this is something that will encourage you the other reason you haven't really heard from us too much is because outreach was really busy 
And it was really hard to find time to sit down and process. I know Paul put out a few stories that we'll reference here, but um, it kind of felt like radio silence probably to Mm -hmm. some of the people who are used to hearing from us on a regular basis um, because it was really busy. Yeah. And and honestly, what we have been told, um, and especially during our debrief week, which we'll get more into later, you know, we were told it could be a while for us to really kind of take in, process, figure out, think through all that happened. In fact, uh, I'll be joining the YWAM staff soon, but the uh, executive director even said, hey, don't rush in because you just experienced something really intense. And it's going to take a while to process that. And so one of the ways that we want to process that and even share with you uh, some of the things that God has done is by doing our own top 10 list of significant moments and elements of our outreach experience. And so this isn't a holistic list. There's so much more that we could share, and there's so much more we could share about each one. Uh, But this will at least give a taste. And so if there's something you hear and you want to learn more, uh, reach out to us if you know us. (laughs) Or you can reach out through Messenger, and we would love to share more of what God has done. And so, yeah, we're just going to jump in. These are 10 of the ways that we saw God work, experienced God moving, heard God speak, that made that outreach experience for us and for the families we were serving with so powerful. And so one of the big things is the way that God created anchors and the way that God guided our outreach, even from the start. And so there are many examples of that. One of those is Maria's Dream, which there's a separate episode of, so I won't get into details of that there, but that shaped um, our understanding that this was God's outreach, that he was working and that he was going to do big things. One of our fellow team members, Nina, got a word, uh, a scripture, and she shared that she doesn't, that's not something that happens often for her, that a scripture just pops out of nowhere. And she didn't even know what the scripture was, but it was Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And at first, that one was a tricky one for me because my thought was, well, wait, are we just going to focus on the household of faith? It says, especially them, like... Is that really what outreach is supposed to be? But by the end of outreach, we realized that actually was one of the things that God intended to do. He wanted to use our team's readiness and willingness to bless others who were serving long-term at the YWAM Richmond base, YWAM Virginia Beach base, the YWAM Chico base, and even other ministries. God also spoke through uh, Maria with some random words that that shaped our, our outreach. One of them was church tour, and we found that God used us to actually go into uh, a couple churches to to share a message of what it means to not just hear what God is saying, but to stand and to walk into that. And the words first love, which ended up being something that got put on hoodies that our team wore. And something significant about that is that there are so many conversations that happen, not because we approached the person, but because the person saw our hoodies and said, first love, what does that mean? And God used that as a way of for us to be able to speak about his love for us in conversations we never would have pursued. Yeah. And all of these um, words from the Lord were received during our lecture phase. So there were times where we sat together as a team and interceded for our outreach and we listened for words from God. 
And they just ended up being, yeah, so significant in really anchoring us. And I I do encourage you to listen to the podcast on Maria's dream, but I wanted to give a little bit more detail on that in that the week that we were all discerning where we should go for outreach. She had this dream. She also doesn't normally have dreams. And it was of these buildings. She didn't really know what they were, but she saw the king walking among these buildings. And then our very first day of outreach, when we were taking a tour of the city, we were actually supposed to go somewhere else and ended up going to, um, is it the capital, the, the, the capital of Virginia? And Maria said, this is what I saw in my dream. And that was so encouraging to all of us because, you know, we were a pioneering outreach in the, the mainland U.S. Most, almost all outreaches are international. And a lot of this kind of started with us, too, of saying, well, we don't feel peace about going somewhere internationally and having the leadership pray about what it would look like to do an outreach in our own city. And um, so it was so encouraging to know that like God was in this and God had planned this. And we just held, we, we had to hold to that because as you'll hear, we had some really challenging moments. So I think let's go ahead and start moving on to some of the other aspects of our outreach. So there were a lot of ways that we served with a lot of different ministries. And I'm going to talk about two that really stood out to us. Both were in Richmond. One was um, a homeless ministry that one of the staff at YWAM Virginia had started. So Friday nights downtown, he'll serve a meal and pretty much just get people off the streets to come and eat together and do a Bible study. And there were some really amazing stories that came from that. Um, Paul actually did a podcast on one um, involving Don. You should listen to that one for sure. And we only went to one as an entire family because it was late and kind of cold. It was really encouraging to see how our team, and if you don't know already, the other two team families are from Norway, but they just really love doing homeless ministry. And it was really amazing to see how they developed a heart for those in our community who are the most vulnerable. The other way that I really enjoyed serving was something called Character Club. It's another ministry that YWAM does every Thursday night through one of the community centers in Fulton, um, the neighborhood where YWAM is kind of centered. You know, you never know how many kids will come. Sometimes it's like two, sometimes it's 10. And they have a meal and they do a Bible study and they kind of have their certain way of doing it. They kind of do it in small groups. And so that was our plan. Yeah, the first one I had planned was that everybody would kind of do the same story on Jonah. We would do it in small groups. But then we got there, there were no like elementary school age kids. Instead, there were all these teenage boys who would come to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And there was no one to supervise them playing basketball. And so they were told that we'll send some men to supervise them playing basketball if they sit in on our Bible lesson for 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, great. These teenage guys are, you know, being forced to listen to this lesson. Like, this is going to go over real well. And it actually did. Like, this, the Holy Spirit showed up and it ended up turning into a lesson on the gospel and using the story of Jonah to talk about how we are just as undeserving as the Ninevites, if you're familiar with the story. Yeah, I felt a real favor there that, pe- that they were listening, that they were engaged, um, which if you know, teenage boys um, Mm -hmm. is not always a given, right? Especially when they want to play basketball. (laughs) And so we, we ended the time and I had them actually repeat a prayer of like, just ask receiving the Lord's grace um, and his gift of salvation through Jesus. And I said, you know, pray it. And if you mean it, follow up with somebody. And actually one of the the women who's there on a regular basis did follow up with them Mm -hmm. and four of them meant it. And so 
these teenage guys got a chance to hear the gospel and four of them decided that, you know, they wanted to receive God's gift of grace and forgiveness through Jesus on that night. And honestly, I had a really rough day, which was kind of the norm for me during outreach. And if there was any time that I felt like uh, I was kind of useless and shouldn't be the one presenting this message, it was certainly on that day. So I think the Lord ministered to me as well. But that was a really important thing for me. And I, I also really got to see just um, how God has gifted me as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so that that was a that was a highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah. And this second uh, moment of serving you know, I think we could even do a top 10 list just of ways we saw God work through the opportunities he gave us to serve. Um, and this time doesn't do justice to all the ways God called us into spaces and moments and experiences. But what I was so encouraged by is God worked in the normal way we would expect of blessing, you know, those that are being served. But he also showed his power in blessing us, just as Becca mentioned. It wasn't just that she shared a good lesson. Not only did God impact those kids— but he impacted Becca, who came into that not expecting anything phenomenal to happen, not even knowing if she wanted to be there. But then God also blessed those that were serving beyond us. And I just remember how encouraged the two YWAM staff were for days, weeks after that moment, because it is hard to step into that space, especially with youth and teenagers, where it can be hard sometimes to know what kind of impact you're having. But for them, God used that moment to show his power in a really beautiful way. Number three, outreach became a powerful time to know that God still speaks and to help us to grow in learning how to hear his voice. And there are so many, we could do a top 10 list of that as well, moments where we stepped into hearing God's voice and he spoke. Uh, But one story that's been standing out to me is no matter how many times I've engaged this, no matter how many times I've talked about it, I still often struggle with believing it. And we, when we were in Chico, would spend our Saturdays going to a farmer's market where you have a lot of people going in and out. And we would go to do what you've heard us talk about in other episodes, treasure hunt. The idea that God treasures everyone that he's created and he wants us to go and find those that he treasures and just share his love. What we will normally do is pray and ask God, hey, is there anyone You want us to look for anything that you want us to keep an eye out for, anything that you want us to know before we go out, and then we just listen. Well, inevitably, there are moments where I go into that and doubt whether God will actually speak, or I will hear others sharing and say, well, God's speaking to them in really vivid ways, giving them pictures in their minds or specific names, but I don't know if he's going to give me anything. No matter how many times I've heard him speak, I will still have those moments of doubt. And on this particular day, I was feeling that. And I recognized that what God was giving me an opportunity to do was just to take a step. And so I did that. I said, all right, God, I'm feeling like I'm not actually going to hear anything, but I'm going to ask, is there anything you want me to look for? And almost immediately, orange tie-dye shirt came to my mind. Well, then I had another opportunity to step towards God because that seemed like utter nonsense. (laughs) I mean, it was winter in Northern California. I'm not going to see an orange tie-dye shirt. Surely this was something that I made up. But the step of faith was saying, okay, God, I don't know if this is you or not, but I'm going to actually look for that as a step of faith, believing that you can speak and that this might be you. The third step of faith came when I was, you know, praying God would order my steps. I found myself standing by this booth And I look over, and this booth is only selling tie-dye clothing. (laughs) And sure enough, 
there is an orange tie-dye shirt. And so I'm laughing in my head. And the third step of faith is saying, all right, now that I see it, what am I going to do about it? And so there was a guy that uh, was by himself that was in charge of the shop. I felt like that's who I should talk to. But I'm like, what am I, what am I going to say? Am I supposed to go in and evangelize? Am I supposed to go in and like do the five-finger gospel? Like, What in the world am I supposed to do? Is he even going to want it? And so what I did is I kind of stood there. I prayed. I asked God for any kind of guidance. And I waited until uh, the customers that were in there walked out. And I just took that step of faith. I walked in and I was like, hey, man, hey, this is going to sound a little crazy. But we're out here because we believe that God loves uh, everyone he's created. And he's given us an invitation to just go out and show that love just by asking who we should look for and pray for and talk to. And he put orange tie-dye shirt in my mind. I didn't think I'd see one. And here it is right beside me. So is there anything I can pray for you about? And we had this really great conversation. Um, You know, he didn't know what he believed about God, but he had a heart for God's creation. Um, He had a heart for people. He had a heart for showing love to others, of being grateful. He had spent time uh, years before being homeless and had come to understand that there's so much to be grateful for. Um, He was wrestling with knowing what his purpose was. And so all this came together uh, to give me an opportunity just to pray really genuinely for him, for what God had done for him, and for God to really show him what his purpose was. And he gave me a couple hugs. We saw each other a couple more times as we walked around. And so it was a beautiful moment that came about because I took a step in saying, God, is there anything you want me to look for? And then I just trusted God when orange tie-dye shirt came to mind. And that is one of many, many, many examples of God actually speaking and doing amazing things when we actually move towards that. Too bad you didn't buy that orange tie-dye I really should have, and then I would wear it all the time. I know. Or just hang it up, you know, in our house as a remembrance. So the fourth thing we're going to talk about is Christmas. So Christmas was over outreach, and Paul's having a Christmas song. So we were the only family that actually got to do Christmas in our own home that was um, part of the family DTS. But we also had some families that were with us that we knew this was a hard time for them because they were away from their family. And their country and their traditions. Right. And the Norwegians have some um, really great traditions, Mm -hmm. um, which Paul's mom actually looked up. And we invited them over to her house um, for Christmas Eve. And I was a little nervous about this. I was kind of praying about it because I'm thinking... Oh, goodness, you know. Should we even still do this? Right. Like, are they going to feel at home? And, you know, and it so blessed them. Um, And I just have to give a shout out to her. I was so thankful to her and for the ways that I saw God working through her in just using her giftings of hospitality. And, yeah, she had made the food that, you know, they normally eat um, on Christmas Eve. She had gotten them presents. She had um, even made these special paper ornaments and put them on the tree. And they were just so blessed. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the next night, they made us something called stick meat for mm-hmm. Christmas. And um, it's a big deal in Norway. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like it's like lamb um, cooked in a certain way. It's very salty lamb ribs. Yeah. So we just had this big Christmas dinner and we had we actually had several dinners. There's 16 of us total, including kids in our home. And that was a huge blessing. Um, but we also uh, we did a gingerbread house with one of the families because that's one of their traditions. 
I think one of the other things we learned, especially when you're doing ministry with families, is have fun. Mm-hmm. Like, don't feel like you you can't have fun or just enjoy things because, you know, you're supposed to be serving. You've you got to put fun in there. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, the, the Christmas season um, was was a big blessing. And we're actually going to talk about during the Christmas season, the base was actually closed. And so we had to plan some of the outreach um, experiences. um, And we'll talk about that as one of our other numbers. Yeah. And I think Becca's point is a really important one that um, it could be really easy for those serving, especially those who are living off of support, to feel like they're not allowed Mm -hmm. to have fun. They're Mm -hmm. not allowed to have good things. Um, Mm You know, that's something Beck and I wrestle with is what does a date night look like when you're living off of support? Mm-hmm. Like, should you never eat steak the rest of your life because <laughs> that's misusing funds? And, you know, should you do fun things when you're supposed to be using all your time doing service things? And it's and it was just such a gift for us to be reminded that uh, God wants us to experience just some of the good things he has in life and and particularly in building uh relationships to just have fun together and so yeah i i want to affirm my mom again i mean she blessed um that family in ways that i mean she would never fully know mm-hmm. because they had anticipated not getting to experience any of their traditions they had tried to order the stick meat and ran into issues they didn't they plan on not being able to get any gifts so when my mom handed them presents they got so excited but yeah, it was really good for us to, too, for our family, because Christmas was a lot not like any of our Christmases we've had before. Even though we were in our home, uh, it was very, very, very different than our normal traditions. And what a gift it was for us to be able to experience Norwegian Christmas mm-hmm. um, in, in many different ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to just to celebrate together what is an incredibly important day, celebrating the, the birth of Christ, and to know that this was actually a powerful and good use of our time on outreach was a real gift for us. The fifth one is outreach in America is hard. And this is something that we wrestled with on many levels. Uh, We wrestled on the front end, as I've shared in other podcasts, with feeling like people were going to think, and we may think it is a lesser outreach Mm -hmm. because it's in America. It's not in one of the hard locations. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're, we're in our home country. Like we have all the conveniences and so it was hard in the sense of of wrestling with what other people would perceive, what we would perceive. But we also realized it's actually legitimately challenging. You know, we would hear the other teams throughout those two months share stories, post them on Facebook about how, for example, they would drive up somewhere in the bus and as they would pull up to a place, people would just flood all around them. Uh, They would be so excited to see them. They would go into a church and the church would say, hey, why don't you come do the sermon? They're like, we don't have anything prepared, but all right. Uh, They would ask if anybody wanted prayer and people would just rush up to them, raise their hands. And they would see all of this stuff happening. And meanwhile, we'd be in America where when we would pull up, no one would approach us. When we would go to a church uh, or, or even there were churches that we were hoping to go to that they had already had their sermons planned out for the next few months, so there, there wasn't much we could do. Or, you know, we would ask if anybody would want prayer, and people would literally run away from us. No, thanks. I'm good. Or, yeah, or shut the door in our <laughs> face. You know, the, the spiritual culture is there is an understanding in some countries that the spiritual realm is real, and so there is an openness to it. 
uh, in countries like America and Norway, there isn't that understanding. And so the spiritual realm is not something most people want to engage. Or one thing we learn in America is there is a belief that there is a Christian culture. And so most people feel like, you know, like Becca just said, oh, I'm fine. No, I don't need prayer because everybody feels like they're, they're good um, when they may not actually really know how God sees them and what God has for them. And so it was really hard knowing how is it that we engage this space where we can try and invest so much time and, and see seemingly very little fruit. But what we learned is that, one, outreach in countries like America is incredibly important because God loves everyone he's created. Um, two, it's not about fruit. It's not about like us seeing the fruit. It's about stepping in obedience towards God and trusting what he may do, because sometimes we are the ones who plant the seed or that we are the ones who water, but God is the one that makes it grow. So if we never see the actual growth, that doesn't mean the growth isn't happening. But three, we realize that God pulled each of our families into this difficult outreach in America for very specific reasons, because each family was feeling called back to their home environments, which were very similar. And so whereas we could have gone to another country and had a wonderful experience, what God wanted for us was a, a, an experience that was directly transferable, definitely for us, but for the other families to know how can you represent God well? How can you share the love God has for others in a space that might not be inviting to it, that might not be receptive, that might not reveal fruit? So it was a real gift for us. It didn't feel like a gift because it was hard, but it was a real gift to us. Yeah. So the sixth thing I've already referenced, there were some days during the Christmas break where we had a chance to um, plan our own outreach activities, which was good because, you know, we know what's here. And so we really focused on our neighborhood. We um, partnered with someone in our church who has a ministry of handing out bags to people with hygiene products in them. We can go ahead and shout out Miss Chetta. Yeah. Miss Chetta's um, a hero. Mm-hmm. And so she does this on a regular basis. And so it was a real blessing to her that we would come alongside what she's already doing and support her. And so we were able to also use some um, outreach ministry funds to purchase those things and um, take them. She, she had also prayed and just asked God, where should we go? And two locations came up. So we went to both of those places. And um, that was also a really great time of watching the members of our team have really authentic conversations with people. We also went to the Boys and Girls Club uh, one day where Paul used to work. And mm-hmm. um, I actually stayed home that day, but I think that was, I hear, I heard really great things about that. And then there was one day after we had partnered with Miss Chetta, where we decided after praying that we wanted to bake some cookies and bring some coffee and cocoa back to the two places that we had been with Miss Chetta and just have conversations um, with them. One was a retirement home and the other one was just a bus stop. And then we asked to hear from the Lord what the third one should be. Paul will talk about that Mm -hmm. a little bit with our kids hearing from the Lord and how we saw God work through our kids. So we sent three different teams out and um, that was actually New Year's Eve. And so uh, that was a really, a really great experience as well. Um, And it was just, you know, I think it was really encouraging to us um, that we could, you know, use the ways that we've already been serving here in this neighborhood to guide that time of outreach and that that was really impactful for our team 
um, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the most important things that we discussed afterwards that came out of that is it wasn't about the care bags or the coffee or the cookies. It was about seeing people showing love by just being present, engaging in conversations. And, and one of our team members shared a story about talking to a guy at the, the bus stop and they had like a really just amazing 20 minute conversation, but he looked and beside the guy was these stacks of uh, food boxes. And, and this, uh, you know, throughout the holidays, a number of people had stopped by the bus stop, had dropped things off, um, clothes, food. And that was great. But the guy that the, our team member was talking to was just sharing how as much as he was appreciative of food, he really loved that our friend was sitting and just talking with them because you know, that's what we see Jesus doing. He met practical needs, but he also saw people. He also loved people by just hearing their stories, by, by praying with them, not just for them, um, by being family together. And so that was a gift for us to see what it looks like to not just do practical things, but to actually engage with people. And like Becca mentioned, you know, the seventh thing is that God works through children. And, you know, culturally, what that often looks like for us is we have a separate space for the children to go. You know, we have the adult ways of engaging with God, and then we usually have to get the kids out of there because we can't focus on God if the kids are being loud. And it's a real struggle in the American church to know how is it that God works through children. You know, and our pastor and many others often says, you know, there's no Holy Spirit junior. Or put another way, the Holy Spirit isn't restricted to a certain age. God can work through all ages from infant to someone who's extremely old. And we saw that happen with our kids. And the biggest thing is we actually stepped in faith that it was possible. We actually stepped in faith believing that God could speak through our kids. And then we stepped in faith in implementing whatever our kids said, no matter how crazy it seems. So one example is the one that Becca referenced. We're asking the whole team, from the youngest to the oldest, where is it we believe God is sending us? And Timothy spoke up, and he said very specifically, I felt like God said the first blue house on Main Street. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> like, this this is really uh, intricate. Like, is this legitimate? And you know, I even started looking up on Google Maps and I was like, man, there's just businesses like there's no no blue house. So then, of course, doubts trying to creep in and say, oh, he just made it up. He didn't really hear from God. I'm like, I'm going to stop that nonsense right there. We're going to go on Main Street and we're going to look for something blue. <laughs> and sure enough, there were two buildings that were blue that very well could look like houses that you would see in the city, like apartments. But they weren't just random. And this is how we know God was speaking because there was two very powerful things about the two blue buildings we prayed for. The first one was the ABC store uh, in Virginia. That that means just straight up liquor and alcohol. In Hawaii, it's just a convenience store. Yeah, you can buy everything from flip-flops to liquor in Hawaii in an ABC <laughs> store. But in Virginia, you go to the ABC store to get alcohol. Well, we were walking on New Year's Eve and in American mm-hmm. culture— uh, New Year's Eve tends to be a, uh, one of those holidays that there's a lot of drinking. And so because of the words that Timothy heard, we prayed outside of the ABC store on New Year's Eve. The second was a restaurant that only days before, I believe it was maybe even Christmas Eve that it happened, uh, a murder had, had occurred. Um, someone had left the establishment, come back with a gun, and had killed um, at least one person, if not more. I know many were injured. 
And we were able to stand outside of this building we wouldn't have been at otherwise and pray for all those affected. We were on Main Street praying for blue buildings because Timothy heard God say, the first blue house on Main Street. And this was one of many moments where God spoke through our kids. Becca was uh, doing some, running some errands, doing some grocery shopping, and Bella just started making up songs to Jesus and singing them loud in her little high voice. And people were hearing it. It really stood out to Becca, um, the impact that she was having. There is this woman in Chico that we were just outside praying. We actually were getting coffee and food for people free of charge to them. Which you guys were doing it because you asked oh, yeah. to hear from the teenagers and the older kids in the group what you should yeah. do. It was our last day of outreach. And this is what they said. Yep. Well, we mm-hmm. did where we went. All of it came from things that they heard. And we looked on a map and we're like, well, here's the location that matches all of this. It ended up being a Starbucks and a Subway. And this woman came out and, you know, it was just me and the three um, youngest kids, but not Joshua. And I asked if we could pray for her. And then I looked over at the kids. I was like, hey, do you want to pray? And I was expecting the kids to respond as kids normally do. No, I don't want to. Or if they did pray, say some little short prayer. But one of the young girls from Norway actually raised her hand and said that she wanted to pray and prayed this amazing prayer. And what is so powerful about that is when we met her five months prior, she barely spoke and she didn't speak much English. And here she was praying a powerful prayer in English to a woman that she didn't know. And and even Timothy was like, he was in it and he was like, yes, Lord. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> these are like, I'm just going to step back because the kids are actually doing this. Even little Joshua, who can't speak yet, was drawing people to him because of his smile and his infectious laughter. And so many interactions happened because of that. So God worked through our kids in really beautiful ways. And if you've got kids... God can and will work through your kids. Look for it. So the eighth thing was one of Timothy's teachers from foundation school when we were during our lecture phase was hearing from God and heard uh, Richmond, Virginia, that she should come and visit. So she came and stayed with us for a week during outreach and participated in our outreach with us. And that was really um a great thing for Timothy because yeah, she just really cares so much about him and she just really is in love with Jesus and Mm -hmm. pretty much is just always about worshiping the Lord. And yeah, she, it it was just a really life giving thing for Timothy. One of the things we did was we organized a family night where we invited families from YWAM, from our church community to kind of show them what the different things we learned while during lecture phase of how we could engage as families and got a really good turnout. And it was really also great to see Timothy shine that night mm-hmm. as well. Um, in fact, it even stood out to one of our friends um, who was like, wow, I can really see the difference in Timothy after this. Um, mm-hmm. And just seeing his, his confidence in that as well. So that was a yeah. blessing. We've learned through the DTS from start to finish and many moments in between that transition is challenging for Timothy and the timing of Monica coming and the way that she um, invested in him and the other kids like was clearly a gift from God. But even that night, one of the families who has teenagers came up to me afterwards and said what a blessing it was for her because it's hard to get teenagers to talk. And she's like, we actually sat and we had these amazing conversations and learn more about each other and learn what was going on in each other's lives. And so it was just cool to see God work through something that that wasn't like 
even on our docket. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, we we kind of planned it really quickly. Yeah. And that it came from Monica just hearing, go to Richmond. She's like, all right. I actually think she heard it before she knew that there was maybe an outreach yeah. team going to Richmond as well. That's the that's the crazy thing. And she just so. took that step of faith, got yeah. a one-way ticket, and said, all right, God, yeah. I'm going. Don't yeah. have a place to stay or plans. Yeah, it's just beautiful to see how God can work in that way. Um, the ninth thing is I, I call adult times. And, you know, what that actually means is, you know, when you're doing family ministry, a lot of times you are with the kids and you are functioning as family and as a team. And that's great, but also can be challenging. And we began to realize the importance of, but also the gift of uh, having time set aside to just be adults together. Um, I remember one of our team members, when he went uh, the first time to the homeless ministry, there were some things that he experienced that he was processing through and found that there weren't many places that he could actually process that when kids weren't around. And he just longed for a time where he could just sit with the adults and say, I don't know what to do with about this. I don't know what it means to share the gospel when you're sharing to someone who may not have food the next day or a roof over their head. And... So we began to make that space to just get together the six adults and to just have that time to talk about whatever needed to be talked about. And, and we found it landed in, in a couple places. One, a place of processing and encouragement because we were, we were navigating a lot of really hard things, both practically, but even just internally and individually. But two, and this is hearkening back to a point we made earlier, it became a time of just fun and fellowship together. We laughed more during those adult times than I think any other time because we were able just to finally relax. I remember the first time we did it, actually, we sat in silence for maybe a minute and our friend Tor Martin was like, it's so quiet. This is so great. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I just want to encourage um, those listening that, you know, as you're serving and as you're serving as families, whether that's in a practical, like legitimate, like you were part of a ministry or you're just serving in your everyday life, find time with those that are in a similar place as you with other adults just to process together and speak. That that type of community is really important. Um, and we, we learned the importance of that both in times we had it and times that we didn't. Well, and even during our training, during lecture phase, one of the things they kept saying was your team unity is so important. Um, because often when we know our job is to serve others, we focus on that, mm -hmm. right? We focus on the out. What are we doing? And if it's going to be sustainable and if we're going to be effective, then we need to make sure um, that we as, as a body, as a small yeah. body, are healthy. Um, and so we actually had a lot of times during um, lecture phase where we just focused on growing our team unity and then, of course, you know, that went to the wayside when we're, like, busy doing outreach. And actually, we had a leadership visit probably when we had about a week and a half left of our of our outreach. And he just was like, hey, I'm giving you guys permission right now to, like, focus on just, mm -hmm. you know, loving each other well. And I think um, that's a surprise, you know, to us of, like, well, aren't we here to love others well? Yeah. And, um but I think, I think we learn what it looks like to actually do this thing sustainably and in a healthy way, mm -hmm. in a way that relies on Jesus and not ourselves, is that, um, and especially as families, right? As young adults, it might look different. A lot mm -hmm. of YWAMers are young adults. But that sometimes it, 
we're just maybe not in our own eyes as productive as we think we are, even mm. though there might be a lot going on in the spiritual realm. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, that's a big takeaway, I think. Well, and I'll just add on there just cause I think it's important. You know, it, when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? He says, love God and love others. And you can take that and create a framework for how God wants us to function in that he wants us to function through him, but also through the body. And one of the ways that the enemy can disrupt what God is doing is by just putting lies in our minds. And one of the most important things that I think happened through us connecting uh, as a body and us adults actually being open and honest with each other is I remember there's one time late into the outreach where I realized a lie that the enemy had planted in each of us is that people were judging us, that they didn't like how we were doing things, that we weren't doing it well, and that that is a problem. And the response to that can be to withdraw or to start to assume things. But there is a moment where I realized each one of us had positions of leadership and responsibility. Each one of us had had to confront and deal with that lie that the other people were thinking less of us or judging us. And when that came out to the open, we began to be able to either directly or indirectly speak into what was actually true, that each person on the team, God had worked through in powerful ways, that all the things that they thought they hadn't done well, God had actually done really amazing and important things. And we were able to come back together as a unified team rather than what the enemy wanted to divide us. So our last thing might not seem as much of like a highlight, but, you know, we've been talking a lot about what ministry as a family actually looks like. And I think I went into this outreach thinking, oh, we're going to we're going to learn the secret. We're going to figure this out. Like we are going to do this in a productive, effective manner. And our kids are going to be engaged. And, (laughs) and I actually learned that, yeah, doing ministry as a family is, it can just feel messy sometimes. It doesn't always feel productive. And for me, I was realizing that I was actually staying home or back at the base for probably about 50% of the time between Joshua and sometimes our other kids needing that. And I realized I was feeling like I was insignificant and, and, or that I I felt like a need to be significant, to um, be, to achieve something, to have God work through me. Yeah. And then of course, bitterness came through of, um, gosh, even when my job is to do outreach, like I, I can't because I'm with um, the kids and the kids are supposed to be able to be involved in this. And why can't they be? And what's, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think it confirmed some things for me because, you know, I decided to take an entire year off. Um, Part of it was going to be DTS, but the other part was going to be doing the stay at home mom thing with my kids because I really felt like my heart right now was was for our family and for um, just being being at home with with our kids, and this was it was just it was confirmed that like yeah I think that's what God has called us to right now mm-hmm. and the ministry that I am doing with our kids um, is just as important, if not more sometimes mm-hmm. um, than the 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 outward ministry and in fact it. Um, I, I think what I what I've really learned is it's funny how we think about how much time we spent doing out you know outward stuff, but actually 
it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. And when we actually take the time to maybe spend some more um, energy, you know, spending time as a team, spending time with our kids, we actually find that we we are a lot more effective in in that outward time, even if it's less time there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I, you know, left outreach really excited for this next phase of being home with our kids, which seems kind of unglamorous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that it's what God has called me to during the season. And I know that it's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think two big things that we learned through outreach and learned through the whole DTS that are important for all of us and all of our lives is one, you know, early on in our first adult time, we processed the question, what is success? Because we did not feel like we were successful mm-hmm. in outreach. We did not feel like we could even be successful in outreach. And where we landed is it's not about outcomes. It's not about statistics. Success is knowing that to the best of your ability, you are walking in obedience towards God. Like that's success. So if we could say at the end of outreach, to the best of our ability, we tried to listen for and follow whatever we felt like God was saying, then we were successful, whether it looked good on paper or not. And then the similar question off of what Becca's sharing is, what is significance? You know, we have so many reasons we can feel insignificant, but how does God define significance? Because if you look at scripture, there are so many people that looked insignificant. David was almost passed over for king because he looked insignificant compared to his brothers. Gideon, even Jesus, like there are so many people in scripture that looked insignificant to others. But what we know is there was tremendous significance because of what God was doing, because of who God was and who he had called them to be. And that is true for each of us as well. So we've given our top 10. We have a bonus. So I think the whole time during outreach, I know for me, I'm thinking, I'm comparing our outreach to the hypothetical, what I think is going on with the different outreach teams in Uganda and in the Philippines. And I was, we were all kind of dreading a little bit our Mm -hmm. debrief in Kona because we we go back for like a week-long debrief and graduation and we're like, oh gosh, you know, all the other groups are going to stand up and they're going to share these amazing things and it's going to be like crickets for us. And actually that debrief in Kona was so good for us because I really do think it helped us to kind of understand uh, to, to frame our outreach um you know one we're out of it now you know we're, we're mm-hmm. back in Hawaii that that's helpful and um but just like frame it just from the Lord's perspective mm-hmm. and um and yeah and then just being able to talk with other people and hear their challenges as well and hear them affirm that like yeah you guys had a hard outreach then I think it was also just really great to be back with our entire DTS class there was just something mm-hmm really special about that and yeah being with leadership again and yeah I just really appreciating that I think um but we share that because again you know these are the things that you think are not oh they're they're not as important um but Mm -hmm. when it comes to doing this type of ministry long-term processing is so important and processing with others and you know, just taking the time to hear what is the Lord saying about this experience? Yeah, it w- is really just healthy. Yeah. And especially because we tend to think we know 
things. We tend to think we know what's going on. And if you just go off of that, um, you could feel like you've got a good grip on things. But when you actually stop and ask some questions, things could come up that you missed. Things could come up that you didn't understand. Things could come up that you realize you glossed over. And if you're doing it with others, things can come out that they saw, experienced, heard, learned, processed, questioned, that then prompts you to a deeper place. Because God is doing more than just a, a, a two-month excursion. That's why we're here a month later still processing it because there's a depth and intricacy to what God is communicating to us that we can't just get um, just like a quick glance looking at the headline. It's, it's something that we have to dive deep into. But, but two, you know, Scripture is full of times where God says to remember, to remember, because he knows how quickly we can move on. But he wants us to keep on coming back to these truths that he revealed. You know, another gift, you know, as Becca mentioned and debrief was uh, those relationships. And something I want to say is, one, I just want to shout out the, well, this is the American way of, of saying their names, but the Berkeley family and the Notland family, uh, the two other families on our team, because they're family now. I mean, we, we love them and we miss them. And there's just a depth to the relationships we were able to build in just a really unique space and season. And I could go and name so many from our full DTS class that had it. I can't think of any family that didn't impact our life in some way. And I'm not going to name them now because then I would have to name 14 other families. <laughs> but, but the important thing here is we have this amazing and beautiful and deep spiritual family that is still encouraging and praying for each other that we didn't know six months ago. And so when we think of what it looks like to build spiritual family in our everyday lives, we can feel limited because, you know, how often can we see that person? Or we've got kids and so we can't get out the house. Or, you know, I feel like I need to at least have a year before I can start sharing the deep things. But we were sharing deep, deep things in that group of 17 families the first week. Um, and so I want to encourage you, God has called us, like I said earlier, to function as a body. We're not called to function individually. And God can build up for you a family, a spiritual family where you are. You don't need a year to build some depth. You just need a willingness to trust God in the relationships that he can build and then step into those and be willing to be open and real and vulnerable and transparent because there's so much that we are going through on our own that we don't understand and that we can't do on our own. But as a body, God can provide tremendous strength. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up, I think the thing that is really sticking out to me is, um, you know, I think we had this mindset that like if, if big change in our heart is going to happen, it's going to happen during this DTS. And I think mm -hmm. even with outreach, we think, oh, all the big stuff has happened during lecture and now's our time to walk in that. And then we realize, oh, like outreach is still training as well. And then if you get to the end of DTS and you feel like, I don't know, I'm still struggling with this and this and this. I can see some ways God grew me, but like, I don't feel like I'm completely transformed. You know, it could be discouraging. And I think what I've learned in being home already a month is that that was just, that was just, a, it was like opening the door. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm seeing the, the ways that God is now using those seeds that were planted to affect me now. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm, I'm just really encouraged by that because, you know, you don't always know if that's going to happen or things mm -hmm. just going to go back to normal. Um, you know, but as I look over my notes and, you know, now we have, we have some, we have some more time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, 
and just things that, that were said during lecture, things that happened during outreach, just reminding me of truths. And I think saying like, Hey, I, I developed a different understanding of who God was and who I am during this process. And I'm not going to let go of that because I remember how life giving that was. And I remember how real that was. And so I'm going to hold to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and just seeing that like, Hey, this is a process that keeps continuing. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're encouraged or inspired, you're thinking this would be good for my family. Uh, This would be good for me. We highly, highly recommend Mm -hmm. um, the Discipleship Training School experience, especially if you uh, have a family, whether it's just you and your spouse or you have kids or even if your kids are grown. The Family Discipleship Training School was incredibly transformational for us and the 16 other families alongside us. Um, we highly encourage it. We, we loved Kona. We also got to know the team at Chico. They are amazing as well. There are a few others around the world. If you're thinking, but I don't really understand what that was, don't worry. We had no idea what a DTS was a year ago. <laughs> if you're thinking, ah, I can't afford something like that, don't worry. We didn't have money for that either. Mm-hmm. We could not afford it. And then when we thought we had a way through, God did it in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking, my family is too far gone, my marriage is too far gone, no. Like, stop that nonsense now. Because mm-hmm. we have seen and heard uh, of how God has done abundantly more than anyone could ask or imagine. If you're feeling like, uh, discipleship training school isn't what God's calling you into. The other thing I'll say is this, everything that we experience was done in a specific context in a specific way, but is not limited to YWAM mm-hmm. or DTS. Mm-hmm. Today, you can take steps of obedience towards God. Today, you can take steps towards your marriage and say, we are going to claim that we have a good marriage. Today, you can take steps to believing that God can speak through your kids. Today, you could take steps in believing that your life could actually be abundantly more than you can ask or imagine because God is bigger than we understand and is moving and working and planting seeds and doing powerful things. And we just have to decide whether we're willing to look for that or not. six months are still a little surreal for us. I mean, a year ago, we didn't even really know what a DTS was. You know, a year ago, we didn't have the financial capabilities to even know if we were going to pay mortgage, much less take on the expenses that would come with travel and a training school. Even our best of plans, you know, weren't enough. And yet somehow God made it happen. And on this end of it, we can see so many ways that God was putting things in place, so many ways that God was positioning us, so many ways that God was preparing us, so many ways that God was hinting, I've got something big in store for you. A year ago, we would never have dreamed that we would have experienced what we've just experienced the last six months, both the beautiful moments, the joyful moments, and the incredibly difficult moments. And we would never have dreamed that we would be where we are today, the way that we're able to function as a family walking towards God together, the way that my wife and I as a couple are more one than we've been probably ever, 
that we have a shared understanding of who God is. And I, and I think for me, that's one of the greatest gifts out of this is there's been so many things that I've experienced about who God is and how he works and who he's called me to be. But so many of those moments have happened on an individual level. They weren't things that my wife experienced as well. But for the last six months, and even before that, we have been called to walk a really challenging, confusing, unknown journey together. And walking that journey together has given us shared experiences, shared understanding, shared language, shared expectations. So that now that we have returned home and have been hit by some unexpected and really hefty things, we're able to do it together in a way that we never have before. And we're able to do it with a confidence in who God is and how he will work, that he is God and he is good in a way that we couldn't have before. Y'all, whatever you're going through, whether individually or if you're married as a couple, know that God has abundantly more than you could ask or imagine because the power that is at work within you. God wants more for you than even your best case scenario. My wife and I, our story is not done. We are still having to remind ourselves of what's true. Of all the things that we've shared in these past episodes, we still have to remind ourselves of that. Scripture is full of moments where God says, remember what I've done. Put things in place, Ebenezer's, to remember because you will forget and you will return to your old ways. And my wife and I don't want to return. We want to keep on moving towards this beautiful picture that God is painting for us. And that's true for you. So wherever you are in life, know that God has abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. Know that there is a power at work within you and know that your responsibility is just to take that next step towards God, even if you can't see where your foot's going to land, especially if you can't see where your foot's going to land, because it's not about where you're going to step. It's about who you're stepping towards. Today, you have the opportunity to step towards God. And this is more than about what that means for your finances or your job or your relationships or even your life. This is about encountering an amazing, powerful, loving, and very real God who knows you personally, who loves you deeply, and who is pursuing you right now. So whatever that step is for you, take it today. And then ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, where you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?